Shalom, and welcome to this Northern Fire podcast. The title of this podcast is Show Me Your Glory. Today I'm talking about asking for the glory of God, responding to it, and living in the midst of it. In Exodus 33:18, Moses says this to Jehovah the Most High. They're having a conversation on the mountain, and Moses is interceding for a people who've already gone astray. And after his intercession and the response that he receives from Jehovah, Moses says this, Please show me your glory. Please now show me your glory. This from a man who had spoken to the Most High on a mountain in a burning bush. This from a man who had seen the ten plagues in Egypt and the deliverance of a multitude of people in one day with great wealth. This from a man who had stretched out his hands over the Red Sea and it had parted and they crossed over on dry land. This from a man who had been on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights without without food or water, speaking to Jehovah face to face. And that was not enough. (laughs) That was not enough for Moses. He says, please now, show me your glory. He's saying, I want more. I want to see more of you. I want to know you more. I want to walk in your glory. Oh, the other thing he had seen is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. This man has seen the glory of Elohim, perhaps like no other besides Yeshua. And he's saying, show me more. And in Exodus 33, the Most High shows him more. He says, you can't see my face, but I will hide you in the cleft of the rock. I will pass by you, and when I'm passed, I will take my hand away, and you will see my back. And as God passed by, he declared his name to Moses. Today I want to talk about three other men in the Bible who saw and experienced the glory of Jehovah and what their response was. Job, and Isaiah, and Peter. The first one is Job. In Job chapter 38, this is late in the book of Job. There's 37 chapters before this. And there's been a lot of conversation between men, Job and his friends. And then finally in chapters 38 and 39 and 40, the Most High appears on the scene. This is Job 38. Then Jehovah answered Job out of the whirlwind. Don't miss that. There's a whirlwind that comes down out of heaven. Not a burning bush. Not a still small voice in a cave like Elijah. A whirlwind and Job sees it. And then he hears the voice of Jehovah come out of the whirlwind. Then Jehovah answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel? by words without knowledge. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Elohim is asking this question, and Elohim goes on to talk about his creation, 
his marvelous works and the wonders of the created universe. Then in chapter 39, uh, verse 3, after Jehovah has spoken out of this whirlwind, then Job answered Jehovah and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Now, Job has done chapters and chapters of talking. But when he sees the glory of Jehovah, he says, I'm going to lay my hand over on my mouth. You're asking me questions, and I don't have answers. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer now. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then verse 6, here's what Jehovah says. Then Jehovah answered Job out of the whirlwind. This is the second time. Jehovah is speaking out of this mighty, rushing wind. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? <laughs> the creator of the universe, the father of all, the eternal, who was, who is, who will be, who has no beginning and no end, the maker of all things in the entire universe. And he's saying to Job, look, you've been trying to annul my judgments. You've been trying to make yourself God and me your servant. And that will not stand. Here is a mighty rebuke out of the Most High. And then the Most High continues in chapter 39 and 40 and 41 to talk about his great creation. Then in Job 42, there's the last chapter of Job, after hearing Jehovah twice out of a whirlwind, Job says this, chapter 42, verse 1, Then Job answered Jehovah and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, Who is this who hides my counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Please listen and let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. Here's Job's response to Jehovah. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Here is Job finally seeing. I mean, he's heard. He's heard with his ear. He's re heard reports of Jehovah. He's heard what these other men have said. Now he's experiencing and he's seeing Jehovah for himself. His first response is worship. His first response is to say, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. He is proclaiming the might and the eternal nature of the Most High. And the second response Job has is to repent in dust and ashes. For all of those chapters, he's been justifying himself before men. But when the glory of God appears, he realizes that he's sinful, he's vile, and he needs to repent and confess his sins and be cleansed. Now, the interesting thing is that just within a few verses, Elohim has confronted Job. Job has repented and worshipped. And that same day, in fact, that same hour, Job receives a call to an assignment. Amazing. 
He didn't have to go through months of training. He didn't have to go through months of crawling on his knees and, and repentance. He truly repented from his heart. He truly worshiped from his heart. And Jehovah said, now I want you to pray for your friends. These friends who had been wrong about him, these friends who had argued with him and falsely accused him, and now he's going to pray for them. So there was forgiveness involved here. Father is calling him to forgive and to pray and to intercede. And we see the glorious nature of this. It says that when Job prayed for his friends in chapter 42, verse 10, and Jehovah restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, Jehovah gave Job twice as much as he had before. Here is the glory of Jehovah transforming a man for the purpose of Jehovah's assignment on planet Earth. The second is Isaiah. This is all contained in Isaiah chapter 6. And once again, a man seeing the glory of Jehovah. Chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He is seeing Jehovah in a vision. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah Sabaoth. The whole earth is full of his glory. These are cherubim, six-winged angels, hovering above the throne. And they're seeing the glory. They're seeing the glory in heaven. They're seeing the glory on earth of Jehovah. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy. The heavenly response to the manifest glory of God is worship. Here is the, the next part of what Isaiah saw. Actually, verse 4, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. I believe that's Isaiah's house, not the heavenly house. His doors were shaken, and his house was filled with smoke, or a cloud. And again, we see in Exodus the glory of God appearing as a cloud. And uh, we see that also in Chronicles uh, when Solomon dedicated the temple. So now Isaiah is experiencing a shaking in his own house and the glory filling his house as a cloud. Verse 5, So I said, Isaiah's response to seeing the glory of Jehovah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, Jehovah Sabaoth. Job said, I've seen you and I'm repenting in dust and ashes. Isaiah says, I've seen Jehovah, and I'm a man of unclean lips. I need to be cleansed. Here is a man falling on his face before the throne, before the glory of Jehovah, and wanting to be cleansed, wanting to be transformed, wanting to be changed. What's Isaiah's heart cry here? I want to be like you. I'm finally seeing your holiness and you're clean and I'm not. And I want to be clean and I want to be like you. Once again, Jehovah cleanses him. There's an angel that takes a coal from the altar in heaven. It touches Isaiah's lips. And he says, you are cleansed and you are purged 
and your iniquity is taken away. Immediately, Isaiah receives an assignment. It says in verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And Jehovah said, verse 9, Go and tell this people. Here is his commissioning as a prophet to the people and the nation of Israel. Again, as soon as he was cleansed, as soon as he was transformed by the glory, he was ready. He was ready to go and represent Jehovah. He was ready to go and speak the word of Jehovah to the people of God. Awesome. Amazing. I'm thinking again about Moses and all that he had experienced and how he said, Now, I pray, please show me your glory. He's wanting more. Job was wanting more. Isaiah was wanting more. And God was giving them more. Now, the third man in the scripture is Peter. And here is a man who is an Israelite, a Jew. And as far as we know, he was an observant Jew. He was a good man. We would see Peter as a good man. He works hard. He supports his family. He has friends. Uh, he's fulfilling his call in, in the feasts and festivals of Israel. Luke chapter 5. So it was, verse 1, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got, they were done fishing for the day. They had fished all night, so they were washing, they're their putting their nets away, they're done fishing. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, this is Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, Simon is a fisherman. His father was a fisherman. His father before that was a fisherman. He's in business with his brother Andrew and with James and John. This is their business. This is their livelihood. And he as a fisherman knows that you fish at night in the shallow waters. And really what they would do is they would have lights uh, torches or some type of firelight, and it would attract the fish to the shallow waters, and they would put in their nets and gather in the fish. So it's morning, it's daylight. When it's daylight, uh, the fish don't come into the shallow waters. They don't fish in the deep waters, and they don't fish in the daytime. And here is a rabbi from Nazareth. Nazareth is not by the lake. He's a carpenter, and he's telling Peter how to fish. And Peter is reluctant. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Then he goes on, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. There's a whole lesson there. Uh, when we get a word from Yeshua, that's when we can act. And that's when we know miracles will happen. Just like Yeshua said, the son does nothing but what he sees the father doing. And so, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Think about this. 
Their nets were breaking. Their boats were sinking. There's so many fish being pulled in at this hour, at the word of Yeshua. This is a great miracle. This is the manifestation of the glory of God through Yeshua, their soon-to-be master and Lord. They began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Yeshua's knees, saying, He fell down. He bowed down. He prostrated himself, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. <clears throat> they were astonished. They were astounded. And again, when you fall at someone's feet, that's worship. So, Peter's worshiping here. He's saying, Master. He's saying, Lord. And then he's repenting and he's confessing. You need to depart from me, Lord. You're clean and I'm not. I'm a sinful man. And at that moment, though Yeshua doesn't even address that confession, we know that he was forgiven by the Lord. Because at that very moment, Peter received an assignment. Actually, he received his destiny. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Three men, seeing the great, awesome, mighty glory of Jehovah. Three men responding with worship and confession and repentance. Three men receiving a call to an assignment, a mighty assignment to be a witness, to be a representative, to be a voice in the earth, and really to manifest the glory of God in the earth. We know that Job manifested the glory of God in the earth. He prayed for his friends, and his friends were restored, and he was restored. We know Isaiah manifested the glory of God in the earth. The prophecies in Isaiah that have come to pass, Isaiah 53, that foretold the suffering nature of the Messiah. And Peter, read the book of Acts, the miracles, and how 3,000 people came to be saved at the first sermon that Peter preaches in the book of Acts. Father God shows us his glory so we get a proper view of ourselves. Don't miss that. Father God, Yeshua, his Son, the Holy Spirit, they manifest their glory in our lives so we get a proper view of ourselves. That we're sinners, that we need to humble ourselves, and that he shows us his glory to get a proper view of him. That he is glorious, he is magnificent, he is clean, he is holy. And the proper response is to say, I'm not like you, make me like you. And Father also takes us through adversity so we get a proper view of ourselves, so that we humble ourselves. Father takes us through adversity so we get a proper view of him. So whether we're living in the glory or we're living in adversity, it's time for us to see ourselves as he sees us and for us to get a proper view of Jehovah. Seeing the glory of Elohim changes us. Seeing the glory of our Father changes us. It sobers us. It inspires us. It identifies us. 
Seeing the glory of our Father identifies us, He shows His glory to His sons and His daughters. It whets our appetite for more. It narrows our vision. In a way, seeing the glory of God puts blinders on us. It narrows our vision to keep our eyes on the mission and the assignment. Back in 1998, I was invited uh, by some pastor friends of mine to travel to Smithton, Missouri. Uh, there was a revival going on at a small church there. Hundreds of thousands of people had come from all over the world to a little town in the middle of Missouri because the glory of God was manifesting there each evening in their services. Well, we went, and on the we were there on Friday evening, and that Friday evening, I went forward for prayer. And when, when the pastor gave the altar call, he, he said, we don't touch people. Um, and the reason for that was uh, it was a time when people were being slain in the spirit all over the country and all over the world. And some of it was fake. They were being pushed over by the ministers. Much of it was real. They were being touched by the hand of God. And I appreciate that with these people in Smithton. He said, we don't touch people. If you go over in the power of the Spirit, you'll know it's the Spirit and not some man pushing you. Well, I went forward, and the first man that came up prayed for me a little bit and went on. <laughs> Another man came over and prayed for me a little bit and went on. Uh, then that first man came and prayed for me uh, longer this time. And as he was praying for me, he did not touch me. And I literally felt the hand of the Almighty touch me right at, right at my chest where my heart is. And the moment the hand of God touched me, I could not stand. I went totally limp and I fell to the ground. I believe someone caught me. If it was a human or an angel, I don't know. But I, I gently fell to the ground. And I was on the floor in that church for 45 minutes. It seemed like a few minutes. I wasn't checking my watch. But I knew what time I went forward, and I knew what time that I finally came to myself, and it had been 45 minutes. And really what I can say and describe about those 45 minutes was the Holy Spirit was cleansing me, transforming me, uniting me with the one true God. I, I don't remember any words that were spoken. I remember a presence I remember a light. I remember a glory. I remember peace and joy like never before. And, you know, the, it says in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. It is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That was my moment. That was my moment. Righteousness. I was being cleansed. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I was experiencing that, that kind of glory. And um, I... I mean, it wasn't so much like these three men in the Bible that I was verbally repenting, but I know that I was inwardly confessing and repenting and being made more like the Almighty. Well, the next day, uh, there were five of us pastors, and we spent the afternoon in a motel room. The evening, the services were in the evening at the revival. 
So we spent the afternoon in the motel room in prayer. Uh, we prayed for many things. We were there for hours. Uh, we were worshiping. We were praying, praying for each other. And in that motel room that Saturday is when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, I felt, this time it felt like somebody dumped a barrel of water on me. Uh, nobody, I did. there wasn't water. It just, it felt like that in the Spirit. And uh, the Spirit entered me. And I, be, I was activated at that very moment. I was activated in the gifts of the Spirit. So once again, it, 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 it did not take long for me to uh, receive an assignment from God. I, I became his witness and his mouthpiece uh, within 24 hours of my first encounter with the glory of God. Well, uh, after our prayer meeting that afternoon in the motel room, we went to the church to the revival. And uh, this is so interesting. This is another manifestation of the glory of Father. Uh, the pastor, his name is Steve Gray, when after the music that night, he got up to speak. He said, today at home, he was not one of the pastors in our motel room. He's the, he was the lead pastor of the revival. He was at his house by himself in prayer. He said, today in prayer, I had a vision of some pastors in a motel room praying. And... He said, said they were crying out for more or something along those lines. He says, I want to ask those pastors to come forward. <laughs> it, this, this, you know, I was new to these things of the Spirit at the time. And, and here, here God gave him a vision. He saw us in prayer in that motel room. Amazing. Uh, miles apart. He was in Smithton. We were in Sedalia. There are no motels in Smithton, Missouri, by the way. And unfortunately, that revival is not there anymore. And so we came forward and received prayer again. And at that time, there was it wasn't just the five of us. He said, well, why don't all of you who are pastors come forward? And he said a simple prayer, and we all fell down. Again, nobody touched us. We all fell down under the power of the Holy Spirit. And that time, I think it was a half hour that I was on the floor that time, it wasn't about me. There was a pastor next that had fallen down next to me, and I felt compelled. I put my hand on him, and I prayed for him for that whole half hour. Uh, again, very quickly, after seeing the glory and repenting and being cleansed, I was activated, and I was commissioned with an assignment from the Most High. So here's my encouragement. My encouragement to you and to myself today is to realize that the Father in heaven manifests his glory on the earth. He does it through men. He does it through angels. He appears directly. There are hundreds of ways that he manifests his glory on the earth. Uh, number one, that you would respond. When you see it, that you would respond with worship and confession and repentance. Let him cleanse you. Don't be so proud that you think you have nothing to be cleansed of. Just look at Job and Isaiah and Simon Peter. And then my other, and Moses. And my other encouragement is to be like Moses. Again, Exodus 33, 18. I pray, please, now, show me your glory. Make that your prayer. Make that your prayer. Father, show me your glory. Now, in Psalm 19, 14, it is written, 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no language nor tongue where their voice is not heard. The heavens are declaring the glory of God right now. His creation is manifesting his mighty works right now. If you want to see the glory of God, this is a place to start. Go out at night and look up into the heavens. Go out in the daytime and get alone in what he's created. Get out of the city. Get out of town. Get someplace where it's just about what God has created and be alone. There's a voice. There's a voice out of creation. Day unto day utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no language or tongue where their voice is not heard. If you're listening, if you're watching, if you're looking, if you're pursuing, you will see the glory of God. Yes, you will see angels. Yes, you will hear his voice. Yes, you will have dreams and visions. Yes, you will see miracles. Yes, you will see the glory manifested through other people. But make a beginning. Make a beginning by getting out into what he's created and let the creation speak to you. Let your Father speak to you through the things which he has made. Shalom.